Most of you do, though. Romans chapter 4. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. I want to read a few verses there. And then we want to study some things around these passages of Scripture this morning. Romans chapter number 4. I want to begin reading. When you read through the book of Romans, sometimes you just have to break off some of the of the of the sentences because they just go on and on and on, which is not a bad thing. It's just not easy uh, sometimes to uh, to stop uh, when you're preaching. And so, in Romans chapter four, I want to begin reading in verse number six, and this is where Paul is giving a couple of of illustrations about men who have been saved by grace. Uh, one of them by faith, and that one of them is Abraham, and the other one is David. And you'll notice in Romans chapter four. And in verse number 6, the Bible says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And verse 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Let's pray. And I want to preach this morning on the blessing of forgiveness. The blessings of forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to touch your servant. God, I pray you to help me today. Uh, Lord, to just uh, be sensitive uh, to the Spirit of God. And uh, Lord, to be His instrument. And I pray, Lord, that you'll bless each part now of this message to our hearts, to the unbeliever, and to the believer. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. David said, or Paul wrote about David and said this, and David did say this in the uh, book of Psalms, in verse 7. He said, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Now, Paul came to this conclusion after he laid out his argument in Romans chapter number 3. The problem that we have sometimes about this subject of appreciating the forgiveness of God is that we, as mankind, are unaware sometimes of the danger that we are in. And we are unaware sometimes of how much we have broken uh, the laws of God and sinned against the Lord and how grievous we are to Him. And so the Bible tells us what God does to help remedy that. By the way, one of the things that separates you from your dogs and your cats, I'm talking about by nature, is the fact that God instilled in you something that they do not possess. One of those things is a conscience. God has put that in man. Man is the only creature on the earth that blushes. Did you hear what I said? He's the only one who understands guilt. And so when you understand that about yourself, you understand that you are not something that evolved from something that hangs from a tree, but rather you are made in the image of God. And your conscience bears witness uh, to some things. But then the Lord comes along and He uses something else to reveal to you your, your need to be forgiven. I know that sometimes we don't even sense the need of how much forgiveness we need. But I want you to think about this. That forgiveness is a divine miracle of the grace of God. And divine forgiveness cost God 
His Son on the cross of Calvary. While grace is free, grace is not cheap. And it cost the Lord His darling Son upon the cross. But I want you to look with me in the passage. Let's study this together. Look with me in Romans chapter 3. And look with me in verse number 20. I want you to understand three things out of this passage here this morning. And I'm going to do my best to, to preach these points to you, to your heart. I'm not aiming for your head, though I'm not going to bypass your head. But I'm aiming for your heart. And Romans chapter 3, verse number 20. You'll notice it says something here. It says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Why did God give the law? Why did the Lord give, let's say for example, let's just use the Ten Commandments. Why did God give those? Was it so that you would have a a ten layer ladder that you could climb your way up to God and be saved? No. The law of God is like a mirror. And that law reveals to you what you are, not what you imagine yourself to be. Now, the Word of God says that in these Ten Commandments, if you happen to break one of these, that you are guilty before God as if you had broken all ten. You say, that's not fair. We're not talking about what's fair. We're talking about what is fact. Let's say, for example, that you had a, a mirror and you had ten hammers. And, and, and uh, you took those hammers and maybe some of them were rubber, some of them were wood, some of them were metal. And let's say you tapped on that mirror with a rubber hammer and there was no crack. And you tapped on it with the, with the, uh, the wood hammer or the rubber hammer and neither one of them cracked it. But then you picked up the metal hammer and you tapped it and it cracked the mirror. So my question would be, do you want the mirror to take it home with you? Do you want to pay for the mirror and do you want to take it home now that it's cracked? But it's only been cracked by one hammer. Do you understand? Only one hammer did it. But do you still want the, the, the mirror or are you going to reject the mirror? The thing about our life is, is that in those ten, I promise you that you have broken the law of God and you may not even be aware of the danger that you are in because you have broken that law. Do you believe that you can do something wrong without realizing it sometimes or maybe be in danger of breaking the law and you don't feel it at the moment? You think that's possible? Have you ever... Uh, I remember one time uh, we had a man that visited our church here years ago. He helped us. Actually, he was a real estate agent and he actually helped us find the house that we're in now and helped us purchase it. And he didn't help pay for it, but he helped us purchase it. You know what I mean? And uh, his name was Jim Upshaw. He became a friend of mine and he came to church several times. And uh, he contacted, uh, uh, you know, lung cancer and, uh, and and unfortunately died of that. And I visited him in the hospital several times before he died. And his widow actually came to church a few times after he passed away. But he asked me to preach his funeral. And the funeral was down at Channel View. And so they had just finished the Beltway 8 uh, between Humble. I'm talking about opened it up between there and Channel View down in that area. So I'm in Cindy's car. I borrowed her car because it's cheaper on gas. It was a Toyota Camry, white Camry. So I get in it and I go down there to visit uh, on the night before the funeral. And they had just opened it up and had a sign up there that said, uh, you know, easy tag only. And so I didn't have an easy tag. And I didn't pay attention to that because I'd been on that road before and they had not yet started using the cameras. 
And so I said, well, I'm just going to run down there. So I ran down there. It took me about 20 minutes to get down there and back. And so I come back and I didn't feel anything, didn't think, thought nothing about it. You know what? Down there for the funeral came back. Okay. And about two or three weeks later, we get something in the mail. And in the mail, it says, you owe us such and such money because you did not have an easy tag and you're being fined for using this without having an easy tag. And I thought to myself, you know, I broke the law. The, the, the sign was up there. But I didn't really think it applied to me at that time. And I broke the law, and uh, but I didn't feel it. Didn't feel a thing. But, buddy, I felt it when I had to write the check to pay for it. Did you know that sin is likened unto debt in the Bible? Did you know that? It's like likened unto debt many times in the Bible. Another example of this would be like, back in December, I took Kenneth and Brooke with me. Uh, they wanted to go saltwater fishing, so I went down to Texas City Dyke. Texas City Dyke is one of the largest man-made dikes in the world. And so we went down there, I put my boat in, and it was a little windy. And uh, so... I went to an area uh, where Brother Kenny Johnson and I had fished previously into an area by a chemical plant. It, the wind, it was protected and was up in a little channel. And Brother Kenny and I had caught some nice fish in there. We had caught some nice flounder and some nice redfish. And, and so I said, okay. And so I went up in there, took them in there. We started fishing, having a good time. The wind couldn't get to us. We started moving around, going up in a canal. And I'm up in this canal fishing, and, and and they are, and Brooke's catching a few fish, and we're having a good time, and I've got my back to the canal, and all of a sudden, this voice comes over the loudspeaker, and it says, Captain, if you can hear my voice, raise your hand. And so I just kept fishing. Captain, if you can hear my voice, raise your hand. I'm still fishing, and Brooke and Kenneth said, Dad, I think they're talking to you. And so I looked back there. Sir, if you can hear us, raise your hand. And so I raised my hand. He said, bring your boat out here in the middle. And I said, oh, man, what in the world is going on here? This is a big um, Coast Guard boat. It's got the machine guns on the front. And so uh, I get my boat, and I, I go out there in the middle, and, man, they just started tying up my boat to their boat. And I said, gee whiz, man, what's going on here? And, uh, man, they've got their, their guns, and they've got their... And he comes out there, and he says, uh, he said, are you aware that you are in some water that you're not supposed to be in? Are you aware that it's illegal to be up in this area fishing? And I said, no, sir, I wasn't aware of that. He said, uh, well, there's a sign up there before you come into this canal. He said, it is a small sign, but that sign is there that you're not supposed to come in here. We've got this monitored with cameras. We've got this, and we watch this place, and you're not supposed to be in here. He said, and by the way, he said, no. He started checking everything from the top to the bottom on my boat. I'm talking about now, he's got this pad out and it's got a list of things, okay? And he's writing my name, my address, my driver's license. And I'm saying, man, this is not going to be a good day. He started writing stuff, taking my address in and said, okay, uh, does does your horn work, you know, do you have a life jacket, do you have a fishing license, do you have this and this and this and this. And I had everything that he was supposed to have, thank God, I was supposed to have, except for uh, the emergency uh, signal horn. You're supposed to have one that where people like a whistle or a horn in case you get in fog or wreck or whatever. And I had one from Academy, and it was still in the package. But it had been in there probably about... Seven or eight years. And so, and had probably been in salt water. 
But I had opened up the package and he's, I'm trying, nervous man, I'm trying to get that thing. It, it won't do nothing. It won't make a bit of noise. And he said, nope, that don't work. And so he puts that on that check and I'm said, oh man, there's no telling how much money this is going to cost me. You know, and he says, now look, he said, uh, he said, I, I, I'm going to give you a warning. Boy, was I glad. He said, we roll all that up there. I know he could have given, he could have fined me big time. Okay, and they can confiscate your boat. He could have took everything. Find me. I mean, could have looked at Brooke and Kenneth and said, you know, y'all look like terrorists, you know, and put us in jail. I wish they were here to hear that. Because they treat me like terrorists sometimes. But I did tell them, the good thing about this trip was, after after all, after they, 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 they wouldn't turn me loose, they took me out to the middle of the past the canal out in the water and took untied it and then let me go. He said, don't come back. And I said, told Kenneth and Brooke, I said, man, I thank God for their mercy. Thank God for them for not, not nailing me on this. I said, but notice that they did call me captain and I want you to call me captain from now on. <laughs> yeah, on the boat. Now, here's my point. I'm telling you all that. I was breaking the law. And I was having fun doing it. I caught some nice flounder. I caught some nice redfish. It wasn't bothering me a bit. I'd taken Nathan, excuse me, uh, Cindy and Gavin there. We caught some nice flounder and all that before. But it was when the law showed up. And the law showed up. And the law came down on me and said, Hey man, do you, are you aware of where you are and what you're doing, that it's illegal and that we could put the hammer down on you. Now, this illustration only goes so far when we come to the law of God, but it is an example to let you know that you could be living right now a life that you consider to be safe and okay and fun, but it's only because you are unaware of what you are doing. And once that light comes on, you are now going to be held accountable. I promise you that if I take my boat back down there again and I pull in there again to fish... And he sees me again, I promise you there will be no mercy. That they will, they will put the hammer down on me because really I did not know it was illegal for me. But here's the thing about it, is that when you want to fish somewhere real bad, you know, you do like this while you're, you're, you know, you don't, it's sort of like a thief looking for a cop, you know? Thief don't go looking for a cop. And sometimes the fisherman doesn't go looking for those little signs. It might be the water. He'd rather say, look, man, I didn't see that. Would you forgive me? But honestly, it was Brother Kenny Johnson's fault. He led me into that situation. <laughs> we went there one day on a cloudy day, and it was windy. And he said, let's go over there and try to fish. Daniel told me that they caught the fish over there on a video, YouTube video. So what am I doing right now? What am I doing? I'm blaming somebody else. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm blaming somebody else for me going ahead and doing it on my own. You understand? And that's exactly what sinners do. Not my fault. That's exactly right. That's exactly what Adam said when he sinned in the garden. He said, now Lord, listen, you need to understand, you gave me this woman. And the woman said, Lord, it was the The serpent. And so when it comes right down to it, we're always passing off on somebody else of why we actually did what we did. 
And the Lord is going to hold us accountable, though, however, for our choices. Now, here's the thing about this thing about the law. It reveals the very nature of, of our hearts and our sinfulness before God and the debt that we owe because sin demands a payment. See, I could have told that guy on that boat there, I said, now look, man, we ain't hurting a thing here. And I could have argued with him that I don't agree with your laws. I'm an American citizen. I pay your salary. I pay your, I pay taxes. And I could have heard the click of handcuffs had I argued with him about that. Do you understand? You can stand until the day you die and you can argue with God about these things, but it will make no difference. Because you see, the holiness of God demands justice. When transgressions occur, it demands a payment. I hope you believe what I'm telling you here. Our transgressions demand payment. You say, well, I'm not that bad of a person. You only broke the mirror with one of those hammers. But you are guilty of cracking the mirror. Alright, now look with me in Romans chapter 3 just to show you a little bit how bad we really are. And by the way, this is true of all mankind, including your sons and your grandsons. I know how sweet they are. But I also know what's inside of them. Their potential, their capability. It says in Romans chapter 3, he describes here... Now listen, Paul is laying this out about that there's no real difference between a Jew and a Gentile in how sinful they are. There's not really much difference, no difference between a red man, a yellow man, a black man, and a white man. When it comes to his nature inside as he stands before God. Whether he be a Jew or a Gentile. This is what Paul is laying out his argument. And that's why he says in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, actually he backs it up in verse number 9. If you mark in your Bibles, I want you to notice something carefully, what he says here. He says, what then? Are we better than they? He's talking to the Jew. Are we better than the Gentiles? He says, no and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are, what's that next word? All under sin. Verse 10, as it is written, there is how many righteous? Hmm. He said, no, what? Not one. Look at verse 11, in case you didn't get that. He said, there is how many? None that understandeth. There is how many? None that seeketh after God. Verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No. Not one. It's not that you haven't ever done some good things from time to time. It's that you, though, in a nutshell, are no good. And that's hard for men to accept. But the mirror. I can arise in the morning and think that, you know, that I've got locks of hair. But when I look in the mirror, the reality that time and gravity have taken its toll. Amen. Alright, and he says in verse 13, now look, boy, I don't appreciate the examination. I know when Brother Andy was here with us during our revival meeting, Brother Andy Leftwich, and he, he mentioned this, he said he was going to use it one day as an illustration when he has a chance to teach again our, the, the guy who was playing the violin. 
fiddle, depending on where you're from. He said that he'd had some physical problems, and uh, he went to see Brother Lewis, and uh, he was scared of chiropractors. And so he faced his fears and he went and I talked him a little bit into it to coach him and say, look, man, he'll only do what's in your best interest, I promise you. So he goes in and when he gives him his x-ray and he shows him what is on the inside, when he showed him his skeleton and what position that it was in and what direction it was going, it opened his eyes to see the reality and he could deny it and he said my feelings betray me he said but i saw the negatives i saw the reality of how much help i needed and i'm telling you what the bible does the bible is an x-ray machine and it puts the light on us and it shows us what we are in the sight of god regardless of what we may think about ourselves and we'll have good days or bad days but that x-ray machine is going to reveal what's on the inside. And I don't appreciate how ugly he says we are. But it's a fact. Look what he says. He says three things about us. That our character, and yes, some of us possess some character, but not enough to match the holiness of God. He doesn't measure us by each other. He measures us by the law of God and Christ. Our character, our conversation, and our conduct. Whew. You know, there are cameras everywhere. You know that, don't you? Would it be scary if somebody compiled all the cameras around here and put a video together of your conversations and your behavior for the past, let's say, oh, let's just go the past year. Some of them of which you have completely forgotten about. Oh man, I forgot I said that. I was mad that day. Oh man, I forgot that I... Oh, because you do forget. But God keeps records. This is what you got to understand. You see, sin is like debt. And the judgment bar of God is the day that you will be audited. And the Bible says that God keeps books. And of course, the the book of Revelation, when they stand before the great white throne of judgment, that the books will be open and it's a day of auditing. I tell you what, if I got a note tomorrow that I was being audited by the IRS and even though we have done everything we know to do to be as clean and honest and above board as possible, I'd still be scared. Because I don't trust them. But maybe I didn't do something just right. Or somebody, maybe my tax person didn't do something just right. When you die and you stand before God, please believe me. I didn't make this up. I didn't write this. God said that we'll stand before the judgment bar of God and the books are open. And He says men will be judged according to their works. That's your conduct. That's your character. That's your conversations. And there will be an auditing that takes place. And the scripture says that you'll have to pay the debt. At that point, you'll have to pay the debt. If you haven't already made arrangements, your debt will have to be paid and you'll be cast into the lake of fire. Now listen to this. And according to the book, let's read this real quickly. I need to hurry. The Bible says here in verse number 13, he said their throat is an open sepulcher. What's a sepulcher? Anybody? It's a grave. What's in graves? Dead people. 
rotting, dead bodies. And he said, men's, he said, men's, he said, their throat is an open sepulcher, their tongue they have used deceit, the poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. See, man thinks that he can say whatever he wants to say and he's not held accountable for it. But God does. God does. Verse 15. Their feet are swift to shed blood. People love violence. That's why news, the news cameras do not go down to the hospitals to the birthing rooms. They go to the emergency rooms where somebody's been cut, shot, or stabbed, or beat half to death. They want to know the story behind that, and not behind somebody having a child that's being brought into this world. He said their feet are swift to shed blood. That's why a man would rather, he'd rather watch a, a blood and guts movie than he would uh, um, Mary Poppins. Just go ahead and admit it. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And the bottom line is, verse 19 is, he says, Now we know that what things soever saith the law, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become what? Guilty. Guilty. And I could have contested with the guy who pulled me over in the water, I said, I could have said, I could have taken that piece of paper and went to court and said, hey, I, I contest this. And probably what they would say is, okay, let's just a minute. We got cameras over here, over here, over here, and over here on this chemical plant. And so we're going to push the button and we're going to say, is that you right there in that boat? Is that Captain Hooch right there in that boat? Do you understand? And I'm saying that God says, you know what? Nobody's going to stand before God. And say, God, you, you weren't fair to me. God, that's not right. I wasn't as bad. I wasn't, I didn't. And the Lord says, every mouth will be stopped. And when God pulls all the layers back and he pulls everything back, he's going to say, look, every man's going to say, guilty. 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 And so the law was given, do you understand? The Bible says here, look what he says here in verse number, uh, let's see, let's back up again to verse number 20. The last part of that verse, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. The law of God is revealed, reveals our need for help and for forgiveness. You ever looked up the word bankrupt? Now I know there are different laws of bankruptcy. Chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 13. I think they're still writing some in that book. But the word bankrupt means that the law has declared that you are unable to pay your debts. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, your debts, if you died and could not pay your debts, it passed on to your family. The Bible says in 2 Kings 4 that there was a widow whose husband who feared the Lord died and they were in debt and they came to take her sons away. What that, what is that, what is that a picture of? It's a picture of Adam's sin passed on down. 
and on down and on down. My grandfather, Roy Hoots Sr., Roy Young Hoots Sr., passed a debt on down to Roy Young Hoots Jr. And he passed it on to Roger Young Hoots. My son is here this morning, and unfortunately I passed it on to him. You understand? That nature, that sin nature, you were born with a debt. By the way, you owe a debt you cannot even pay. And that's why the next passage in this scripture lets us know the law of God reveals it, but the love of God removes it. Look what he says in verse 24. Now let's back up to verse 23. He said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Jew or Gentile. Verse number 24, Being justified freely by His grace. Justified, the sin debt has been paid, annulled, sins have been remissed and remitted. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Please understand something here. Read carefully with me and let it sink in. Whom God has set forth. It was God the Father who set forth Jesus Christ to pay your sin debt and my sin debt. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. That's that sin debt paid right there through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the, there's that word, Brother Elsie, for the remission of sins. That is that removal of your sin debt. That is declaring it gone for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. I'll tell you something about the law of God. I can travel from Shreveport to Houston. And there's a lot of speed traps between Shreveport and Houston on Highway 59. Some of them very close to home here. Like Patton Village. And I can make it all the way through. All the way from Shreveport almost to Roman Forest Boulevard. And if I get pulled over in Patton Village for speeding. And that cop pulls me over. You know what he's not going to say to me? He's not going to say, man I tell you what. It looks like you have done such a good job between here and Shreveport. We're going to add that to your account. And that will help you pay your fine. That will balance out. When you go up here and pay for this ticket, that will balance out. Because you did so good obeying the law all the way down until you got to here. And if you think that because that you have kept some of the law, that you are not responsible for the law that you have broken... I promise you, you are deceiving yourself. You are going to need someone to pay your sin debt. And the Bible says this, that Christ did. He provided a way for you to be forgiven. This is the amazing thing about grace. God initiates it.
God initiates grace. God did not send grace because you were crying for somebody to have mercy upon you. God initiated grace before you asked God to forgive you. Look what he says in Romans chapter 5. Look what he says over here in verse number 6. Look at this. This is amazing to me. This is why that we sing these songs we do. He said in chapter 5 verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for who? The ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Yes, there are men who lay down their lives for the President of the United States who would take a bullet for him. There are men on the, on the battlefield who might even jump on a hand grenade to save his crew from being destroyed. There are good men that are willing to do that because of their love for and protection of their family or their friends. But now wait a minute. Would a soldier jump on that same hand grenade for the terrorists that are out to destroy their nation, destroy their homes and their families? Probably not. I don't believe he would. Look at this, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet what? That is owing a debt. Christ died for us. This is grace. This is the love of God. As a matter of fact, John wrote and said, What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. And that manner means this is out of this world. This does not belong on this planet. This came from another world. What manner of love? This is the love of God. That He sent Christ Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. That's grace. Jesus being the one who paid our debt. You remember the Lord's Supper when you read that in Matthew, uh, I believe it's Matthew 26 it is. When they're there at the Lord's Supper there before they He goes to the cross. He gets out the bread and said, This is my body, which is broken for you, for many. But then He gets out that cup. Of wine, and he said, "This is my blood." The New Testament. He said, "Which he said, this is my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, for the remission of sins, for that sin debt that you and I owe." He said, "I'm going to the cross to pay the sin debt of man." All right, now. Look with me in Romans chapter 3 again. and let's look at the last thing and then we'll go to the house. Okay? Look in chapter 3, verse number 27. The love of God is an amazing thing. Number one, the law of God reveals that I am in serious debt. I owe a debt I cannot pay. The love of God reveals the answer to that. He paid a debt that he did not owe. The Lord Jesus. Alright. Verse 27 has an interesting statement. It says here, you have the law of God, you have the love of God, but here you have the law of faith that must be exercised to appropriate the payment that has been made. Look what he says. Verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Can a man be saved by works, church? No. He said, nay, but by the law of faith. The law of faith appropriates the payment 
in order to complete the transaction. Dave Ramsey. How many of you ever heard of Dave Ramsey? All right, most of you have. And those of you who are young, one day you'll probably get a book from somebody in your family that's got his name on it to teach you how to deal with your finances, how to get out of debt. Dave Ramsey has started somewhat of a revival across America among young couples and middle-aged couples concerning the wonderful experience it is to be debt-free. To be debt-free. Wouldn't, wouldn't it encourage you if after services I told you if you've got serious, if you've got any debt, that if you'll go in the men's Sunday school classroom, now your mortgage, your car payment, maybe your business, and I said, listen, if you'll go next door, there is a man in there, and he's a billionaire. And he is interested in paying your debts completely off. I wonder how many would line up at the altar and say, I want to get in line because I want to be free of my debt. You know why? Because you feel the burden of that debt. You don't feel the burden of that debt every day. But there are times when it weighs heavier upon you, right? Now, you know, to be honest with you, some people act like debt never bothers them because they act like they're never going to have to pay for it. Right? They're counting on you to go to work to pay for it. It doesn't work with sin. It doesn't work that way with sin because nobody is going to be held accountable for your debts but you. The law of faith. Do you have any faith? Yes, you do. It just depends on what you exercise it toward. When you leave here, you probably are going one of these two directions. Now, you may be going in that direction, but but probably this direction or this direction. You're going to have to exercise some faith going either direction. Because when you, you're going to have to exercise some faith. When they built that bridge across that water over there, that river, you probably are not going to stop, pull off the side of the road, and you're not going to get out of your car, and you're not going to look underneath the bee, underneath the, the road, and underneath the bridge to see if it's okay for your car to cross. I think you're going to zoom across it like, oh man, it's been inspected. I trust the people who did this. I'm good. I'm gone. When you go this direction, you're going to cross bridges and you're going to come to a railroad track. And if those arms are not down and flashing, you're probably going to zoom across that railroad track. You're probably not going to stop at it. Doesn't it aggravate you when a school bus is in front of you and it stopped for 10 minutes to look down a railroad track? But you don't do that. Bam! You're you're through there. If those lights, and some of you even try to go in between them if you think you've got enough time. Because you have your faith in electronics. The ability and the engineering of man to put a signal down there on the track that's going to set off an alarm to let you know that a train is coming down the track. You don't even think about it. Most of us don't. We just go across it. 
So let me ask you a question this morning. And I'm just trying to make you understand the law of faith. We all have it. We all exercise it. You have to have some faith in who made the promise. You have faith in who engineered the bridge. You have faith in who constructed the railroad tracks. By the way, if... Does anybody here get their... You don't have to raise your hand. But I wonder how many of you actually get your money from your company just simply straight deposited into your account. Some people like to see the the piece of paper and sign it and say, some people like the green stuff. They want it counted out to them. You don't see much of that anymore. When I was a boy working on the farm, they always gave us these little yellow envelopes and inside of it was some green stuff. And boy, it was exciting to open that up and count that green stuff. But so many of you have your check automatically deposited. Direct deposit, I believe is what it's called. Right? You never see it. Right? Somebody told you. You received an email or a text and said, Hey, your money's been deposited. Certain amounts been deposited. You believed them. And you believe them so much. You said, honey, we're going out to eat. we got some money in the bank. Or you're going to purchase something at the store or you're going to purchase something large because you believe that money. And then you take something that's plastic and you say, okay, like magic. I can take this out of the store. Here. That's all exercised by something you have confidence in. Do you understand? This law of faith is how much do you believe the Word of God? Those disciples have been fishing one day, and they had caught nothing. Most like if you go with Brother Kenny or Brother Lauren, you're going to catch nothing most of the time if you go fishing with them. Now you go with Brother Roger, we cast a net on the other side. Yeah, that's pretty bad, wasn't it? That's a pretty bad illustration. I repent, Lord, that's a lie. These guys are much better fishermen than I am. But Jesus said to those men, He said, you cast that net on the other side. And what did they say to Him? They said, now Lord, look. We know, listen, you're a carpenter. You're the Lord. You know everything. But listen, man, we are fishermen. We have experience here. We fished all night and caught nothing. But here's, here's, the, here's the key. They said, I'm going to tell you what, though. Nevertheless, at thy word. We'll do it. And if you ever get a hold of that, if you'll just trust God's word, they cast that net on the other side because they trusted His word. And they caught so many fish they couldn't get them in. Do you understand? And listen, you don't have to understand everything about God. You just got to trust Him that He is who He says He is. Not who you think He is, but who He says He is. And when God says that sin is a bad thing, it's a bad thing. And when God says that sin must be judged, it will be judged. And you and I must stand before God and answer for our sins. He means what He says. He says, however, I want you to know that I understand your situation and I love you and I sent the payment for your sin debt through my own son And to prove that He is my Son, I raised Him up from the dead like no one else has ever done. 
And he said, what I, what, I am, what I am commanding of you to do is to be willing to acknowledge that you have a sin debt, that you can't pay that sin debt, and that I paid that debt, and I am, I am telling you to have faith in me and to put your confidence in my son that he paid that sin debt. So how do you appropriate that to your life? Well, most of us in here, it happened in a moment. Now, we had to come to that understanding that we were sinners, that Jesus was a sin bearer. But at some point, for me, it was simply being convinced that I was bad as God said I was. And then being convinced that He had the answer through Jesus. And then I went and I bowed my knee in my pastor's office and I called on the name of the Lord to forgive me and to save me. And I said, Lord, I believe what you said in your word. I am persuaded that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I am persuaded that you raised him from the dead. And I believe that if I call upon him, you promised me you would save me. And when I did that, the peace of God came into my heart. My account was settled with God. Simply by faith. That's why a child sometimes can receive it more than an adult because he tries to figure some of this stuff out rather than just simply by faith. Receiving God's promise. Let's stand together, please. If you're here this morning... And you have not had your sin debt removed. There's an invitation for you to bow your knee and call upon the name of the Lord. Listen to this promise here. What a blessing this is. He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he said thou shalt be saved, saved from the wrath of God. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved. Those of you who have been saved, the Lord wants you to remember that how much you have been forgiven and to rejoice in your forgiveness and to exercise forgiveness toward others as God has forgiven you. Everybody in here, one or two people, either you have not yet been forgiven or you have been. You still owe a sin debt or it's been paid. I pray that everybody could leave here today knowing in their heart that their sin debt has been paid. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. If the Lord has spoken to your heart today and you would like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your payment and your debt. Take that step of faith and say, Lord, I don't understand all this and I can't figure it all out. But in my heart, I do believe what you say in your word. And by total and complete simplicity of my faith in my heart, Lord, I come as I am as a sinner, knowing I cannot save myself. And I ask you to save me and forgive me of my sins. Father, we ask your will be done in this service for Christ's sake. Amen. Our heads bowed. I ask God, Lord, that you'll bless now in Jesus' name.